welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast episode 21. Does that key to the door? What? You know, <laughs> you turn 21, you get a key to the door. Have you been thinking that up all week? Or no, I just thought of it then. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? I didn't get a key to the door on my 21st. I don't, I don't I think, I think I was about 12 when I got my first house key. So oh, really? I predated it by like 11 years. So when you say key to the door, you mean a literal key to the door? Well... You know how when you turn 21, there's that weird, um, uh, is it a tradition to get a, a, a key cut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like quite often you'll see, um, is that still like a key shaped cards and stuff. I yeah. think that's still around. I think it's quite a traditional thing, but I reckon probably the market for them is like old people get them for grandkids because no one else cares. No. So what happened before you were 21 back in the day then you couldn't get in the house? Is it to the house? Key it's not like a key to the city. Um, key to the realm. Key to the door? Yeah. Shall I have a look? So 21, key to... Um, in the meantime, I'll continue introing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Luke. <laughs> He's got the key to the and door. Are... Never been 21 before. <laughs> uh, Tony. And what do you bring to the table? Um, I bring an article from Stuff that says uh, they can drink, they can smoke... They can vote. They want a key to the door. Okay. Uh, Probably goes down as our most rambly intro ever. So just to tighten things up a little bit, this is the Lights in the Sky podcast where we casually chat about uncasual things. And what that means is one of us will bring a story of paranormal origins to the podcast each week. Um, As a precursor to that, I'll throw a hypothetical at Tony, who I think has some very interesting... (laughs) views on the world Uh, following that we'll um hit up the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained for a nice little tidbit at the end so starting with um probably some research about 21sts what have you found uh so frequently a celebration cake would be made to mark the occasion this cake would often have a key as a decoration symbolizing the key to adulthood birthday cards were similarly decorated uh, so you're not an adult until you're 21. Uh, so the the and it's the the the, the song goes. <laughs> I'm 21 today. 21 today. I've got the key to the door. Never been 21 before. And father says I can do what I like. So shout hip hip hooray! I'm a jolly good fellow. 21 today. Did you not sing that at your birthday? I thought that was what everyone. <laughs> So apparently that's what people said. So that's what it means. That's right. why I say key to the door because of that stupid poem it was first published in 1912. Okay. Pop- popular song, I'm 21 today, which was published in 1912. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Really nothing. Anyway, key to the door for yeah. our podcast. All right. Yeah. Number 21. So Actually, I think the door's unlocked downstairs and um, we're up here, we're up here and we can't really hear what's going on with our headphones on. So someone could be robbing the fridge or something. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Rummaging through my refrigerator. <laughs> um... So, we're a little bit later starting, but not that it matters to a podcaster. Um, so, we'll see whether that whether people can tell it's a little bit darker outside. Um, lamps on, mood lighting. Whether, we, whether people can tell there's mood lighting in the room, Can I you guess. tell mood lighting on a podcast? Or? That's up for the listeners to decide. There is a popular podcast called The Mood Lighting Podcast, really? isn't there? Yeah, there is. shouting out podcasts. I know. While we're on that topic. Oh, Good, good segue. Yeah. <laughs> Don't point out the segues. Everyone does it. It's tired. Um, I I'm a tired have... as Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, we got an email from um, friends of the show, and probably the number one Tony to have anything to do with the show. Um, Tony from the podcast called Flix X Raid. Um, just going to let that certainly my, I'm a little upset about it, but certainly my favourite Tony. <laughs> Uh, who's ever been mentioned on the podcast so um they got in touch and sent along some um hypotheticals and a couple of wee stories um of encounters but i'll say no more Mm -hmm. i'm gonna park that i'll say no more never been 21 before (laughs) 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 so i'll park that for like ironically i'm parking it because we 
thought we your you said your story was too long so we need to get straight into it and now we've talked for way too long about it being episode 21 so you got on a segue within two seconds of going out looking at the um i will say this while we're still in the podcast realm i listened to a couple of the flix x-ray podcasts and i don't know if it was just me um my background being film and video whether I really enjoyed it because of that. They were your parents, weren't they? Film and video. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, it was You're really a good. descendant of film and video. I listened to one about Jurassic Park, and I listened to one about Casablanca, which Do you, can, can you they call it Casablanca. Casablanca. Yeah. Can you elaborate what it's about, what the podcast is about? Um, so, um, a few dudes and sometimes females. What's the dudettes? No, she mails. <laughs> no, not she mails. Um, some sorry, people. I'm so sorry. They watch a movie and uh, then basically talk about it afterwards. But um, some funny stuff, some really insightful stuff. It's it's a good listen. They have the much like ourselves. They have the perfect blend of humour and actually learning things. They know their stuff. So um, once you're finished with us, go and have a listen to Flix X Ray. Please do. Have you listened? Uh, it's on my to-do. That's a no, then. Yeah, but it's on my to-do. Okay, that's why you're the number two Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No. no, that's awesome. No, I definitely will give it a list. Yeah, it's quite cool to hear from um, people from various parts of the world. Like, um, We've had quite a few countries we can tick off. I reckon the map that you have of the world on the wall mm-hmm. would just start getting like pins. I was thinking that. We could pin them. We could pin them. Hmm. So let us know what country you listen from. And remember we'll, we had that we'll download. Remember we had that download from Fiji once. Yeah, when you were in Fiji. Yeah, yeah. It was such a coincidence. <laughs> um, I know. First download from Fiji it happened to be the weekend I had to do it to Fiji. <laughs> yeah, we can pin people from around the world on the map, and if you are listening from another world, we don't have any room for you. Go back to Fiji in a couple of weeks. Might download it. <laughs> <laughs> Two pins. <laughs> Two downloads from Fiji, both me twice. <laughs> so moving right along, straight into my next question, which is always, has anything paranormal happened to you in the past week? So I think as I teased last week, um, there was a bit of a tale here. So no, nothing paranormal has happened to me in the last week, but something paranormal did happen to me in 1994. Did you watch Jurassic Park? Um, I think I watched that in 1993. I thought it came out in 94. I think it was three. Okay. Moving on. Sit, check, check that. My IMDb, but go on with your story. Something okay. paranormal has okay. happened to you in the okay. past. Okay. So, um, <laughs> a bit of the background here is that um, I, you were telling the story last week that um, inspired me about... Um, yeah, so it, it inspired me to think about when I had been in the wilderness. And... I had a throwback. So this was the episode about hanging rock. Correct. Where people, um, school kids went out for a walk one day over the hill and far away yeah. to hanging <laughs> rock and only two little ducks came back. Or people. A corsetless woman. <laughs> yeah, a corsetless <laughs> woman was found and no one knows what happened. So this this is this sort of just um, dawned on me that I remembered there was an incident that had occurred and... Um, I asked mother about it mm. this week because um, it had sort of flagged up. And I, also, I was going to, um, well, I went to Hamner Springs, which mm. is a thermal spa wonderland about <laughs> 90 minutes north of Chicha, Christchurch, where we're from. We should get um, funding from tourism New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it all kind of came together in my head. And I was like, that's right. There was a weird incident. So um, set the scenes. 1994. It's around June or July. Family's taken a, a, a wee break away from the, I guess, the rigour of mid-90s Christchurch. <laughs> I think yep. we drove our sort of Honda up there. Yep, mid-90s Honda. That's right. So Concerto? Uh, that was the shuttle, the Honda shuttle. <laughs> oh, jeez, I yeah. didn't realise you stooped down to the shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> move on on the shuttle <laughs> and um so it was sort of a drizzly kind of dreary day and um there was nothing to do in hamner we'd been to the pools like 35 times because that's sort of what you do you swim in the pools and mum i think was like let's go for a walk 
I think everyone groaned. Like, it's like, no, it'll be fun, it'll be fun. So in Hamner, there's one walk you do called Conical Hill. And it's what it sounds like. It's a hill, a conical hill type. <laughs> so we started our walk up. And as we sort of got halfway up, we saw a sign that said there was a, a walk off to the right. And it was called the... Spherical Hill. No. <laughs> no. It was called the Majuba. Okay. And sounds they, like a cocktail. It does. It just, and it, but it just sounds a bit creepy. The Majuba walk. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, let's do this. And we thought, we haven't done this before. So we, you know, turned right and headed down on this Majuba walk. So it's an hour and a half return. So I remember walking down this path. And, you know, you're in the forest. And as we sort of headed away, because lots of people were on the Conical Hill walk, but no one was on the Majuba walk. Yep. So I headed through the forest. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it getting kind of dark eerie dank dank misty <laughs> foggy it yeah. just it just became a bit spooky yeah and i remember looking as you do at that sort of age so i would have been like nine and looked at like the parents or eight actually so i looked at mum's face and you could just see tension start to build on your parents face you're like hmm, this is a bit weird and it just Got, it got cold all of a sudden and just kind of felt a bit a bit odd. And I could just see mum not looking too happy. And I looked at um, dad and I remember him sort Crying. of... Yeah. Crying? <laughs> him just sort of like hurrying us along. Like, come on, come on, move. Come on, move. Move along. Come on, come on. Right. I was like, this is really weird. So sort of powered through and got out on the other end of the walk. And went back to the accommodation that we were staying at, and I think it was all fine. And I remember mum saying years later about that Majuba walk, and remember saying, you know, probably when we were, in, you know, when I was 20 or something, that she's like, about the Majuba walk. Do you remember us doing that? Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about Hamden. I think I think one of us was talking about walking in Hamden. She said, oh, don't go on that Majuba walk. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why? What's the problem with that walk? Yeah. Is it just is it boring or rough or long? So, do you not remember what happened? And. She sort of explained it again at being quite spooky and scary and feeling odd. And she said, your father, he looked, he, he got, he looked at his watch as we were walking through. And it was a digital watch and it was quite new. And as it sort of got a bit sort of eerie and spooky and misty, he looked down at his watch. And the watch said 666 on it. Whoa. And Was that the time or... <laughs> And it was, it was probably about two o'clock in the afternoon. Really? And I said, and so I, I queried mum on this this week because I remember hearing the six, six, six. Or I was like, how long did it stay for? And she said, oh, it was about sort of when we walked into that spot and it got cold and it got eerie and it got it was sort of just felt unnatural. Yeah. And I think, and you know, dad had looked at his watch and had seen the six, six, six. It stayed there for, you know, three, four, five minutes until we sort of like hurried out of that area what and then yeah I got back so that's that's <laughs> and it still freaks mum out and dad dad being kiwi bloke doesn't want to talk about it mm. just won't talk about it because it it was just illogically weird yeah this your watch can't be 666 yeah and just the combination of and i'm not sure what it wasn't might... like four part or six past seven and it just gone over a bit. It was a digital watch. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So that was kind of this thing that was sort of like spooky devil moment of six 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 in the woods. Yeah. Do you know why else that's weird? Yesterday, um, Samsung phones have a really annoying function on them where you can emergency. Samsung call phones are just really annoying in general. I no, no, they're great. Mm. Um, they have a really they have a function on it where um, even if the uh, screen's locked, it. Um, allows you to make an emergency phone call so you can you can plug in a number and supposedly ring it but i don't know if it actually gets through because otherwise everyone would just use that for phone calls (laughs) but it's a function that i don't know if you can turn off or or whatever but um yesterday when you were texting me about what you're talking about i pulled my phone out and it said 666 on it as the number that was dialed what yeah and i um showed it to my workmate and we laughed about it what that's why it's stuck in my head Seriously. That's crazy. <laughs> that is just so spooky and crazy. Yeah, really weird. And you had no idea what the story was about. Nope, this is the first time hearing. And it's just, it just reminded me of 
because yesterday we made a point of laughing about it. Like I went and showed my workmate and said, he said something about, oh, you're going to call the devil, etc. <laughs> and at the moment it's 6.33 p.m. And if you had... <laughs> if you yeah, if you had half an hour it'd be six sixty six p.m <laughs> yeah there you go <clears throat> weird mm. so that's then now that's even double the weirdness of the story one of the spookiest starts to the show after one of the <laughs> loosest uh starts to the show yeah 21st and then talking about um a spooky encounter so mm. at the starter the entree <laughs> all right um moving right along then you're going to probably bear the brunt of um the episode content wise um you've prepared uh some research on a spooky story mm. were you finished with the one we just had i anything else to add um just that hamlet is a wonderful place to go yeah, and visit um, it. just do the conical visit, hill walk. Visit it. if you're going to go there do the pools and then relax and uh no well do the majuba walk get you know the, the shite scared out of you and then relax then, in the then, pot pools then email us and yeah. tell us about it <laughs> Um, and if you're going to go there, and if you're a guy, take care of your body here before getting in the pools, because there are some really, <laughs> really... We've talked about this before. This is way too high on your agenda, in my opinion. Just take, you know, manscape a little bit, please. <laughs> All right. Okay, so do you want to jump into um, your tale? Yes. Which I'm assuming is UFO, because it always is. Tarly. My Tarly. What? Ah, uh, my tail. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is there a word that I've never heard in my life before? Uh, yeah, so it is UFO related, so you got that. Cool. Um, but I thought I'd, I'd, I'd share a, um, a cult tale of devil worship from my father's wristwatch. Hmm. Probably a Casio. I mentioned it was a Casio. Yeah, I think it probably was, eh? Yeah. Casio. Your one was, like, in high school. It was. That one lasted for ages. It does. I'm, I, I imagine my father's watch, it was some sort of Casio with a sort of, like, sort of, like, not a very thorough metal wristband mm. sort of thing. You would have had the plastic one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So now I've got leather, and this is a this is not this is a. I wear a range of watches. It's an anal log. <laughs> is that how they say does it? it? What does it log? An anal log. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it does. Okay. Um, so this story is um, reasonably recent. So it's um, just over ten years old. Yes. And um, and I think what I quite like still not legal. No, <laughs> dear, dear me, dear you. I think what I like about this one is that you read all these stories from the past of um, UFO events like that are widely witnessed for lots of people, and there's there's um, photos taken and there's reports go through, and it kind of causes a bit of hysteria at the time. And then the media investigates and finds out things that are being kept undercover and under wraps. Hang on, I never threw a hypothetical at you, did I? Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> we'll save it for next week. I think we will. I think we I had to address I it because I think I said at the top of the show that I would. Right. So. I think I think we've got a busy show today. Yeah. Yeah. And we're running <laughs> late. And we're running late because yeah. of um, our audio problems at the beginning. <laughs> Alright. Sorry. Um, I, I totally derailed And that. I don't know where I was at, but um, right. I think I think what I'm saying is that I like this because it was widely reported, lots of um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I throw a hypothetical at you? <laughs> um, yeah. So we I might as well just launch into the story then. It's kind of like one of those old school UFO tales from back in the day, but mm. it's set in the 21st century. Yeah. So it has all of those classic hallmarks, but as modern. Yes, yeah. that's right. When you think that the real sort of heyday of UFOs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think actually what I was saying, it was like there was like there was like a media investigation. It was found they were keeping things from the public mm. that were later disclosed. Juicy. And, yeah, because um, thanks, thanks to the now, the, any 21st century UFO study, you have the Freedom of Information Act in the United States where some of the stuff has to be released when it's not, I guess, ultra-secret men and black government agencies like keeping it under wraps. When it's like regular federal agencies, they kind of have to release it. So mm. Interesting. Let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is the uh, the 2006 Chicago O'Hare Airport UFO sighting. Been there. We have been there. We have been, been there, there together. Yeah. We've actually been to this very terminal. This thing happened at. Awesome. Um, but that was in 2013. This is 2006. 
So the 2006 Chicago O'Hare UFO sighting is regarded as one of the most well-documented and widely witnessed UFO sightings in recent history. Officials insisted on labelling the sighting as a weather anomaly, but witnesses say the object was in fact very real, a metallic disc-shaped craft hovering over gate C-17 of the O'Hare International Airport United Airlines Terminal. The disc was visible for approximately five minutes and was seen by close to a dozen United Airlines employees, ranging from pilots to supervisors, who heard chatter on the radio and raced out to view it. So we'll get into the events of that day now. So on November 7, 2006, at approximately 4.15pm, an airport ramp employee was pushing back, which means that they put a tug on and moved the plane out from the gate onto the taxiway. United, that's right. United Airlines flight 456. And I don't know whether that's the real flight number or they just chose a random flight number to try and disguise <laughs> what flight it was. Yep. When he looked up and spotted a strange object hovering over O'Hare's gate C-17. Described as a spinning metallic disc-shaped craft, the employee immediately notified the pilots of flight UA-456, who both also looked up and witnessed the object and radioed the airline's operation control centre. The first officer was later interviewed and admitted that he and the captain had opened the side window to view the object, which you can on the flight deck, you can open the window at the front. Just if you need to have a cigarette. If you have a cigarette, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the flight. <laughs> they describe the UFO as dirty aluminium in colour, very stable, without any olopti- oloptical, optical, <laughs> oloptical, optical distortions near it. He added that their flight had even been delayed as airport personnel sorted out the event. It was at this time that the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, ground controller, notified an incoming flight, and this was picked up on radio, to use caution for the uh, UFO. Whoa. This was the first official FAA mention of the UFO. However, they would later deny any knowledge of the event happening. Whoa. So we'll move on to the next witnesses. So two United Airlines aviation mechanics, and United plays a big role because Chicago here is a big United hub. Mm-hmm. So two United Aviation mechanics uh, were uh, next to report the strange object in the sky. Both were inside an aeroplane about to taxi it to a hangar when they overheard a message from flight crews talking about a circle or saucer-shaped object hovering over the United Terminal. The two mechanics laughed out loud, lol, lolled, lolled, about, about it at first, but continued listening as radio <laughs> chatter lit up with discussion of the unusual object. The mechanics say they leaned forward to look through the windshield of the aeroplane and saw the object hovering at about 100 to 200 feet, so 30 to 60 metres, below the cloud base. They described the object as oval-shaped and definitely not a blimp or an aeroplane as we know it. One of the mechanics continued taxiing the aeroplane while the other watched the object go up into the clouds where it left a clean, well-defined round hole in the cloud base. You like clean, well-defined round holes, don't you? I do. (laughs) That's crazy. Around the same time, a United manager was in his office when he heard the radio chatter about the sighting on an internal airline radio frequency. And he's quoted as saying, I knew no one would make a false call like that. But if someone was bouncing a weather balloon or something like that over O'Hare, we had to stop it because it was in very close proximity to flight operations. Mm-hmm. He added, I stood outside in the gate area, not knowing what to think, just trying to figure out what it was. The manager was soon joined by another employee who had arrived at the gate to check out the craft. The appearance of the unknown object was described as elliptical, sphere-like, and dark metal in colour. So lots of this stuff is all lining up with random witnesses. There all, are, there's a lot of people. Yeah, and they're all saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, they noted that the object rose almost instantaneously, departing so fast that they thought they could see a kind of blurred effect from the object's rapid movement. Whoa. Rapid movement? Uh, the manager then called the operations centre to report the sighting. So nearly a dozen more O'Hare employees witnessed the unusual sight that day. The object remained visible for several minutes before it suddenly bolted through thick clouds, leaving a, don't laugh at this, leaving a gaping hole in the cloud layer. 
Witnesses describe the object as being about 30 feet, so 9 metres in diameter, and hovering at about 1900 feet, 580 metres, just below the cloud base. Several independent witnesses outside of the airport also saw the object. One described a blatant disc-shaped craft hovering over the airport, which was obviously not clouds. According to this witness, nearby observers gasped as the object shot through the clouds at high velocity, leaving a clear hole in the cloud layer, which allowed the blue sky above to be seen through the clouds. Wow. Several employees later pointed out that the United Airlines management had instructed them to write reports and draw pictures of what they observed, while stressing the importance of not talking about what they saw with anyone. So this is the crazy thing about the sighting, is there are so many people who saw this. Mm. They're all saying the same thing. Yeah. And it's all like, we saw a craft, we saw it hovering, and then it shot through the clouds and left a big gaping hole in the, in, in the sky, and yeah. we could see blue sky through it. Yeah. <laughs> Even something as specific as saying you, you can see blue sky through yeah. it. Yeah, because it's like a low cloud-based day, and then all of a sudden this thing shoots through. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and this is an airport. This isn't. This isn't like a field. This isn't like a party with a lot of drunks. This is an airport. Yeah. You know, there's not crazy people around. Yeah. Well, yeah. there are crazy people at airports, <laughs> like plane geeks normally. As somebody who um, has a bit to do with the aviation industry, if you were to see something like that, do you know who you call? You would have to report it through to, like this case, like the FAA, you'd have to re- report this through because you're seeing something which is, you know, it's it's dangerous to have something hovering over an airport gate, in, mm. like in the middle of an airport, because there's planes flying around. And, you right, know, so if you saw, a, you know, even if it was of this world, you saw a weather balloon hovering low, low at the end of the uh, runway, you would, it would, you would have huge. a number that you could yeah. call. Well, yes, yeah, so we've had, um, working in aviation, we've had instances where weather balloons have nearly hit aircraft in flight, and yeah. it's a hugely uh, serious event when mm. it happens, and it gets reported uh, and investigated and all these things. There's a huge amount of, like, the, the investigation and reporting trail is crazy and massive and these mm. sort of things. Mm-hmm. So this is just absolute, like... It's it's such a pain if you work in aviation. Like like I love a view of those, but this happened in my job, and I, did, I saw this over. I was like, oh, for God's sake, really? You have to hover over an airport? <laughs> like, there's so much paperwork now that's going to take place. Yeah. So um, in the days that followed, news of the sighting leaked to the public by employees who were frustrated that their supervisors ignored their reports and insisted they keep quiet about the event. This is a good witness report. So according to one witness. Some of us are getting angry about this being hushed up with all the terrorism and TSA idiots hanging around. (laughs) (laughs) If we see a funny looking bag, oh, how break loose, but park a funny silver thing a few hundred feet above a busy airport and everyone tries to hush it up. It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And that's making the, the, I guess, the um, comparison to the fact that if there's an unattended bag in an airport terminal, everyone goes crazy. Yeah. But yeah, if you have a UFO hovering over a gate, everyone just doesn't want to say anything about it. Yeah. That's really interesting. So both United Airlines and the FAA denied anything unusual had happened at O'Hare that day. A few weeks after the incident, one news source reported, officials at the airline say they have no knowledge of the incident and the Federal Aviation Administration is not investigating. So the authorities' claims of ignorance would soon change. After the Chicago Tribune newspaper began an investigation and filed a Freedom of Information Act request, the FAA ordered an internal review of air traffic control tapes to comply with the Tribune's request. As expected, the tapes revealed a call by a United Airlines supervisor to an FAA manager reporting the mysterious elliptical-shaped craft sitting motionless above Concourse C of the United Airlines terminal. In addition, the Daily Record of Facility Operation Report for November 7, 2006 contained this note. Sue, from United Ramp Tower, called to inquire if we had seen a flying disc over the United Terminal in the vicinity of Gate C-17 at about 1,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So deeper investigation into the incident revealed that contrary to United Airlines and FAA claims, there had actually been much official and recorded talk about the event. So the following is uh, are the, are the, is the first recorded instance of the sighting. So this is the air traffic control tapes. So at 4.30pm, this is from the United Zone Controller to the FAA Area Supervisor in the O'Hare Tower. So I'll read the transcript. So the United Controller says, Hey, did you see a flying disc out by C-17? 
Ohia Tower replies, Oh, it starts, Sue. A flying... You're seeing flying discs? <laughs> United Controller says, Well, that's what a pilot in the ramp area at C-17 told us. They saw some flying disc above them. The tower replies, Come on, Sue. <laughs> God, that's so official. United Controller says, You didn't see it? And Ohia Tower replies, Hey, you guys been celebrating the holidays or anything like that? I haven't seen anything, Sue. And if I did, I wouldn't admit to it. Oh my god, that sounds so fake. So, at 4.47pm, the United Zone Controller calls the FAA Area Supervisor in the Tower again. This conversation revealed that pictures had been taken of the object, however, no authenticated pictures have ever surfaced of this event. Interesting. So the United Controller says, there was a disc out there flying around, and Ohia Tower replies, there was a what? United Controller, a disc. Ohia Tower, a disc? United Controller. Show me your disc. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here, Tower. Okay, I'm sorry. What can I do for you? United Controller says, I'm sorry. There was... I told Dave there was a disc flying outside above Charlie 17, and he thought I was pretty much high. But um, I'm not high, and I'm not drinking. So someone got a picture of it. So if you guys see it out there... And oh, here, Tower says, a disc. Like a frisbee? United Controller says, like a UFO type thing. No, here Tower says, yeah, okay. United Controller replied, he got a picture of it. And this final recording confirmed the sighting once again. So the United Controller says, some of our employees, I don't know if you know anything about this, some of our pilots on the ground are reporting a UFO sighting at 1,000 feet to the east side of the airport. Do you guys know anything about this? And Ohia Tower replied, you know, the ramp tower called me, I want to say about 10, 15 minutes ago. We've not seen anything up here. So soon after the sighting, many more credible witnesses came forward and told their account of the strange object. One witness sighted the mysterious object near a runway observation area and made note of its unusual exit. So here we go. There was all of a sudden a <laughs> marked difference in the number of planes coming in. I, I did see it. I don't, I, it didn't go quite straight up from my angle. I, I couldn't see the blue sky at the top of the hole, but it surely did leave a hole, and it went from no movement to incredible speed in a split second. <laughs> Flawless. Yep. So a baggage loader spoke about what he witnessed. When I looked up there... It was just, just exactly what was you just, think of each type yeah. of person. Like it was just occupation. it was just sitting there, a grey, shiny type thing, pretty high up, more like a thousand feet. I looked up at the cockpit and pointed it out. Then the crew saw it, and they were staring at it too. The pilot got on his radio and was waving his arms like he was going nuts over what he was seeing. He figured it was a fat disc, like an M&M. Big about, fat disc. Big fat disc, like an M&M, about 20 feet wide. But it was hard to tell for sure because it was almost the same color as the clouds. If he looked away, it was hard to find a focus again. <laughs> One of our crew ran to his locker to get a cell phone to take a picture. It hung there, moving really slightly from side to side for about another minute. Then we all felt our hair stand on end. It just <laughs> shot straight into the clouds, being faster than anything we have ever seen. It disturbed the clouds, like, and made a big shockwave, and you could see sunlight for a while. Everyone was talking about it for a few days. Then the supervisors came and talked to us, and they said, We can't talk about it no more, and we'll be fired if we did. They said something about federal regulations and unauthorized reporting of false aerospace breaches. Interesting. So they've literally said they were hushed by somebody. They were hushed up, yeah. So this is the conclusion. Or at least that's what I could tell by their <laughs> accent. <laughs> I could do the podcast, Arthur's from now on. Come on, man. So the FAA concluded that the sighting was caused by a weather phenomenon and no further investigation was conducted whatsoever. Dr. Mark Hammergren, an astronomer at Older Planetarium, agreed, saying the weather conditions at O'Hare that day were right for a hole punch cloud. That were right for a silver disc in the sky. So Dr. Mark says... It's something that occurs when a propeller or jet airplane passes through when you have uniform cloud cover and the temperature is right near the freezing point. Hammergren explained, they make liquid water droplets freeze and a hazy disk of uh, icy crystals descends from a hole and it looks like a perfect hole punched in the cloud. So O'Hare Airport went on the record stating something else, that the unusual sighting was simply caused by lights reflecting off of the clouds. Lights in the sky? Yeah. 
O'Hare Airport employees and dozens of other witnesses say they know the difference between clouds or light reflections and the appearance of a physical craft in the sky. As one mechanic noted in his report, I know what I saw (laughs) and what a lot of other people saw stood out clearly and it definitely was not an earth aircraft. I am still in absolute wonder and amazement at what I saw that afternoon. A cast uh, of thousands. Yeah. Many witnesses interviewed by the Tribune newspaper were apparently upset that federal officials declined to investigate the matter any further. An important consideration into the incident is public safety. In 2006, when this occurred, Chicago O'Hare was ranked as the world's second busiest airport in terms of passenger traffic, handling over 77 million passengers through its terminals, and whatever was in the area at the time posed a great risk to a number of planes and passengers. All witnesses to the events of November 7 state that the object was not a weather balloon, helicopter, aeroplane, or any known conventional flying craft. It is significant to note that some of the reports were made by airline pilots, whose professional expertise involves the identification of aircraft and comprehensive knowledge and training in observing weather phenomena and sky conditions. Mm-hmm. Journalist Leslie Kane also wrote about this event in her book, UFOs. Generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record, saying the government should investigate the O'Hare incident. And I won't do an accent this time. This thing was hovering over Chicago O'Hare Airport at rush hour, Keane said. Lots, the New Zealander on the ground. Lots of people saw it. The US government never said a word. The end. The end. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so to, I, I like that. I really, um, really enjoyed that, um, hearing more about this tale. It does feel kind of that retro version of a, of a UFO sighting, right? It it's is, yeah. A like, silver disc in the sky, a lot of people seeing it. It reminded me a lot of the um, the flap across New Zealand that we talked about it, a few points yeah. back, where a bunch of people saw it and um, the authorities put it down to mass hysteria and told them they didn't see it. Yeah, it just, it was, in this case, they're just saying, it's just, it was weather. Mm. So, I mean, the typical case is they've given some absolute BS random explanations to explain what it is, and that shuts it down. Like, there mm. is just, and yeah, it just, I mean, you you don't want to have to try and investigate this. If you're the FAA and United Airlines, and he's like, <laughs> you don't want this. You're like, Because, oh, <laughs> yeah, you can't tell the truth. What do you think it was? From I, this earth or not from this earth? Not from this earth. Interesting. From, there's just, you can't have that many witnesses and it actually, because if it was weather phenomenon, surely like from different angles, you'd see it slightly differently and it wouldn't be That's the same. Right. And yeah. then, yeah, for it, it was, it was from, yeah, from the explanations there, uh, it was all very much a, uh, an object of some physical description, not weather, not something like that. And then that shot through the clouds when it left, um, yeah, the interesting thing with that, I reckon, is the scientists who said that the clouds were ripe for making uh, a hole in the clouds. Yes. He even said it would be based on turbines of a plane rather than a natural phenomenon. Yes. So if it was something else to punch through the clouds, it, it's the way yes, it, they would. And the way I read that is like the sort of that the like the plane goes through it, punches through the hole first, and then the ice crystals form below it, forming something. This seems to be in the other way, where they saw something, then then it went up through the clouds, not <laughs> right. through the, not descending through the clouds and forming like an ice crystal layer. But again, because it's a UFO and it's a crazy, wacky thing to ever believe in, you mm. can just come up with some nonsense explanation, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Why do you think? And maybe maybe it isn't. It, it occurs to me that if this wasn't of earthly origins there's what do you think the prominence across america russia and south america is why do you think most of the sightings happen there or don't they well i think it has to be it's probably to do with um i don't know whether it's population centers and and study Mm. and whether if you're simply if you're if you're a weird alien species who wants to sort of see how do these unusual earthlings fly around in these you know wacky fuel burning metal tubes Mm. let's go study this airport go down i suppose the other thing is um the other places may be less populated so maybe it is happening it's just not reported as much i mean and it probably is but i think if you're looking for an interesting case study 
on on human behavior you're like mm. okay let's pop down let's see what because you know how crazy it is going through security at a us airport and how horrible it is like mm. if you want a case study in misery <laughs> look, look, at, look at a busy us airport and see what it's like i think i i subscribe more to the they these things are of this earth but maybe it was like a um alien technology so i think a lot of these sightings perhaps are uh, military technology more along the lines of what's in secret machines like it could be something that they they hovered there they thought they were cloaked for some reason mm. it failed and yeah, they were, yeah. okay we're seen human error let's right? get out of here yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so the fact that they happen in these centers um lends itself to the idea that um, different countries have the same kind of hidden arms race going on which I think is a theory that mm, that's a good I one subscribe too. to, yeah. possibly. Or sort of stolen alien technology, potentially, in yeah. reverse yeah. engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you hear that music? I, I think do. it's time to get you some stray. I can hear it. It's a bird building, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to tag on to that? I have seen a few pictures of this UFO online. At Chicago, right. but there's no, as it said in that uh, earlier piece, there's no authenticated pictures. Right. So there's an image here that I'll show you just briefly. Yeah. Watch the microphone. I am careful. <laughs> um, so. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's no confirmation that that is a real image of a sort of a hazy UFO in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, there's quite a few on there. That's mm-hmm. that's probably the one that was commented the most as being uh, an authentic image. Yeah. But. Interesting. And all this looks like sort of grey smudge on a lighter grey. Is there background. a way to figure out if the plane in that photo can you you can't make out a rego or even a well, um, saw, model number that you could then tie well, into flight the, the five, pl- four the, five six? So the plane is a Mexicana A three twenty in the photo. And Mexicana no longer exists, they collapsed. Right. So I did a quick Google and found when did Mexicana cease operating? Oh, that's what you Googled earlier. I thought yeah. you were looking for a restaurant. Oh yes, Mexicana, yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, they wound up they they went bankrupt in two thousand ten. So there is every possibility that they were flying into Chicago at that point. Yeah. No, they, they, they no longer exist. Yeah. I wonder if there's um there's a line of investigation there to see if that plane was ever chartered to that route. And could have been there at that time. My view of that image, though, is that the UFO looks reasonably big in that photo, and this one was only kind of twenty feet, mm, thirty feet across, nine meters across. Yeah, yeah. it's quite small. It, yeah, interesting. It, so that is what makes me think it may not be real. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there is scale, though, if it's closer to the camera. But yeah. it did say in the story that it, it hovered over, above the. Yeah, it was over yeah. over the terminal and the to terminal the point where they had to look uh, to open the window to look up yeah. at it. And if you can see in this image, you can't see any other. This is a taxiing aircraft, and you can't actually make out the terminals in the background very clearly. You can see this UFO quite clearly. Right. And this is only nine meters across. You can't quite make out, you know, a, a, a seven four seven. It's seventy meters long, sitting mm-hmm. in the terminal on the ground. Mm-hmm. Then it's. That's good deducing from mm-hmm. you. It does. I think uh, I think it's a fakey. <laughs> um, I think that um, you're earning every. I think the music's still playing. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Just lost it for a second there. Um, <laughs> earning every um, every possible accolade on your route to becoming a published UFO. Love a good route. Once we once we pay that guy five dollars to transcribe <laughs> our podcast <laughs> and publish them. <laughs> All right, so now that we're in the segment called Get Me Some Strange, um, I'm going to flick through the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Tony's going to say stop, we'll stop on a random page, and I'll read out a nice wee tidbit um, from the paranormal realm. One of my favourite things about the segment is the strange. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Let's see if we can get some strange. Okay. Stop. Jeez. Really quick. It's a really quick stop. I've heard that about you. Okay, we have landed in a... Give us the caddy, Gory. Category, heavens above, atmospheric and astronomical oddities. Nice. So, again, there's... there's, This is is the thing that the Mysteries of the Unexplained book does so well. Is this a short and sweets? There's so many. Like, literally, (laughs) there's one here. There's three lines. One of the lines is the reference. (laughs) So, the reference information. So I'm going to read probably... 35? Okay. 
35? In quick succession. All right. Keep up. Rick, One, Rick a large number of luminous globes filled the air on the day of an earthquake in Boulogne, France, 1779. Two, subterranean thunder was heard at Guanato, Mexico, 1784, although there was no earth tremor. Three, a bright ball of fire and light accompanied a hurri hurricane that struck England on September 2nd, 1786. If it was ball lightning, it was unusually persistent, lasting a full 40 minutes. Mm. Three, Lewis and Clark on their 1804-1806 to expedition to the far west of the United States heard booming noises like a cannon at a site near what is now Great Falls, Montana. A party outfitted by John Jacob Astor heard similar noises in the Black Hills of South Dakota and Wyoming a few years later. And then a slightly longer one. A weird marine noise. <laughs> it literally says weird. Was heard by naturalist Alexander von Humboldt. Natural, I thought it was naked people. Naturalists? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Or are they a naturist? No, naturalists are the naked ones, aren't they? Naturist? Naturalist. What did you say? This one's a naturalist. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a naked one. Really? Oh. Um, a weird marine noise. You're googling naturist and naturalist. <laughs> I think naturist is the one who's naked. I think this is a naturalist who's probably more into like um, ecosystems, etc. Anyway. Um, Alexander von Humboldt and other members of Expedition to South America on the 20th so this it looks like it's maybe an extract from something on the 20th of February 1803 towards 7 in the evening the whole crew were astounded by an extraordinary noise which resembled that of drums beating in the air it was at first attributed to the breakers speedily it was heard in the vessel and especially the, the, the burger king new zealand breakers <laughs> <laughs> reference no one's gonna get <laughs> apart from our friend in auckland um na naturist is the naked one by the way <laughs> naturist yeah yeah so i was right so this guy wasn't nude well <laughs> well we don't know we don't know he doesn't say yeah they're not mutually exclusive yeah um so speedily it was heard in the vessel and especially towards the poop <laughs> it was like a, a boiling the noise of the air which escapes from fluid in a state of ebullition they they then began to fear that there was some leak in the vessel it was heard unceasingly in all parts of the vessel and finally about nine o'clock it ceased altogether humboldt's naked french contemporary baron cuvier confidently ascribed to the sound of fish of the group called the scaenoids but this was later studied and found to be unlikely. See the second entry for 1870 on page 243. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, just be careful. If you're going on a naturist page and you follow a link called uh, Bushwalk, <laughs> <laughs> just, just exercise caution because I may, I may have clicked on it. <laughs> In 1870... Several correspondents to nature took up the <laughs> This has to be. This has to be the Greytown noises heard on the Atlantic coast of Costa Rica and Nicaragua. <laughs> Charles Dennehy reported that the peculiar metallic vibratory sound <laughs> musical. On, people, please. <laughs> Don't use that. Descending, the, right? If you're using that in the Naturist Club, it's going to be. Right for itchiness. The, with a certain cadence and a one, two, three time tendency of beat, whatever that means, was heard only in iron rather than wooden ships and seemed to come through the iron from the water. By English sailors, it was considered to be caused by a trumpet fish or what they called not what they called such. Certainly not the centriscus scolopax, which does not even exist here. <laughs> well, no, worth noting. But if caused by any kind of fish, why only at one place and why only certain hours of the night? What is it then, this nocturnal music? Is it the result of molecular change or vibration in the iron? See Kingsley, Kingsley replied that he had heard the sound, like a locomotive in the distance, rattling as it blows off steam from the shore of the Trinidad, and that it could be heard on wooden ships as well. An old, old wooden ship? From the pioneer era? Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? From the Civil War era? Civil War era, yeah. yeah. 
on that note um i hope you've enjoyed lights in the sky podcast feel free to hit us up on twitter or instagram at lits underscore podcast um and visit our website if you want to hear other episodes um, lightsinthesky.podcast.com. There you can also send us um, any stories on the submit your stories page. Um, they may or may not be read out on air. If, do we call this on air? Um, on the on the podcast. Yeah, on the potty. Oh, not the potty. Let's not call it a potty because then we'd have to go into potty training. Yeah. And I guess if you want to learn about more about naturism, um, <laughs> I recommend to gonatural.co.nz forward slash locations dash events. One thing I forgot to mention um, last week was anyone who tweets us a question or tweets us your story or emails us your story or question. Um, or faxes, we'll, remember faxes. Or faxes, despite us not giving out a fax number, um, we will Working send you some it. stuff. So we've got things to give away. So all we need is um, your input. And if we read out your stuff, we will send you some stuff anywhere in the world. So I believe we're going to send some stuff. Yeah, we've got some stuff to send um, to all parts of the globe. Uh, What we're thinking is we have some stickers which say appreciated contributor. If you continue to contribute and are continually appreciated we will continually send you stickers when you have a designated amount we're throwing it around the arbitrary number of five we will send you some other swag which is even cooler swag mm. which is more the kind of thing that would not fit in an envelope but it'd be a small package of some sort that's right we're toying with i think it's an engraved sword we're doing <laughs> we haven't talked um, about anything and i think we and we've got my parents Along those uh, lines. 1992 honda shuttle yeah <laughs> we may or at send least out. a spare wheel for a yeah. honda shuttle <laughs> they may send out that's currently the company car <laughs> the badge so that you know it's a honda <laughs> all right um on that note um we would love to hear from you we'll add your pin to the pin board of um, parts of the globe including Fiji that we have heard from people from um, a nice collection of countries going on already so send us anything telling us where you're from try not to make up a country yeah <laughs> that and would suck we'll do our best to verify it pretty good at verifying nations yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cool so uh, on that note we will anything else to add Uh, Just be free and breezy and embrace naturism if that's what you choose. Catch you next week. Toodaloo.